It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Fresh week, Monday, we're a step closer to the beginning of the college football season getting underway. I think next weekend is the last uh, weekend without college football until, what, second week, first weekend of January, whatever it is. Uh, Welcome in, everybody. It's great to have you with us here as uh, we've got uh, some ball to talk about. We've got some ECU to talk about. We got uh, the great Cy Seymour a little bit later on. In the show, Cy, of course, uh, just an all-around great human being, and uh, my partner on the broadcast for ESPN Plus. Dynamic duo. Pirates put out a non-conference schedule on Friday. You guys had it covered, and I thought uh, it'd be great to have Cy come on and talk about it today because it's a very interesting basketball non-conference schedule for. For a first-year guy and a, a team that is going to be uh, young may not be the right term, but, uh, you know, that's not cohesive and maybe lacks a little game experience. Well, it's a very challenging-looking non-conference oh, no. schedule on the it surface is. for a first-year guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is Ben Byram, who uh, thanks to Ben for filling in Thursday and Friday. Uh, hey, Ben. To ben Byram. There he goes. Coach Houston getting on him. And then uh, our guy Cookie is in, uh, DJC Squared. Uh, Woo! Chris is here. You all right? You just, I don't know. You, you seem a little scared. Are you, are you, oh, are you, I'm going to admit this. You, this is my observation. You've not been the same since the Ric Flair match. I don't know. Are you all right? He's, he is wandering around and, and breathing and functional. You know that, don't you? That's what it is. I'm just worried that he's going to step back in there and not be able to walk out. That's what's been stressing <laughs> me out. Yeah. What is he saying? He got dehydrated. Yeah, he said he passed out twice during the match due to dehydration, and he wanted everyone to know that it wasn't a heart issue. Okay. I mean, he looks phenomenal, especially compared to where he was a couple years ago. But I don't know. I think he partied a little too much. You mean when he was in the coma? Yeah, I would say he looks (laughs) a lot better than... I'd say he looks a lot better now. Compared to near death, he looks fantastic. Yeah, that's quite a compliment there. I stepped in that one a little bit, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I, I stepped in that one a little bit. Well, that's what I was saying. Considering, I mean, for his age, who a man who's lived that hard a life and had that many health issues, I, I think he looks phenomenal. Yeah, that's it was, what I'm trying to say. Probably the best match you've ever seen from a 73-year-old. Uh, I haven't seen too many, and I don't yeah, know exactly. if I want to. That's the whole point. Don't, don't know if I want to. He's the guy uh, of pirates. 73-year-old wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Pirates had their first intra-squad scrimmage. Over the weekend, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, Chris, were you there or were you? Yes, I was there. Okay, did you watch any of it or, or no? Uh, I saw a couple of plays. I would definitely say the defense stood out. Uh, offense couldn't really get anything going, uh, but defense really showed up, and they were really hyped on the sidelines too. So they they scored one touchdown, but I mean they had 16 tackles for loss, six sacks. 
And I'm just, I mean, I look, I know the pirate defense is going to be good, but I'm just wondering is the, was this, the defense was just having a great day and, and amped up and playing well, or do we, are we I'm hoping it the was offense? that the defense was having a great day, but uh, yeah, the offense looked a little sluggish there uh, for the little bit that I saw. Gotcha. Well, well, I see where you're getting at there because all offseason we've been hearing about how improved this offensive line is, and now it's a true D1 American level, high level American offensive mm-hmm. line now. And then when you hear six sacks and 16 tackles for loss, that's definitely a huge concern. Are we getting sold a bill of goods here when it comes to this offensive line? Well, now let's let's look at it like this. That's the entire defense for that. You know, that's the first and second unit yeah. going against the first and second. That's so true, that yeah. would be that would probably be the numbers that they would put up against. Like in a normal game, you'd see a defense, two good defenses. You might see them get that many sacks or tackles for right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. But you only see the seven points, and you think, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think even Houston admitted today that he's been rusty in practice, uh, starting out here recently and in the scrimmage too. Who's been the whole nailers? Excuse oh, me, Holton. Yeah, I, I I thought, but I didn't want to infer. Yeah. So, um. Top 25 poll is out. Shock to nobody. Alabama is uh, number one. Uh, This is the AP poll. 54 first place votes. The Ohio State, number two, with six first place votes. Georgia, number three, with three. And then Clemson, number four. Notre Dame is fifth. Texas A&M is sixth. Utah is seventh. Michigan is eighth. Oklahoma is ninth. And then Baylor is tenth. Baylor. yeah, Baylor. NC State is number 13, right? Um, Wake Forest is 22nd. The U, by the way, Miami, 16. But uh, Ole Miss is uh, 21st. Wake Forest, 22nd. Then you got Cincinnati, 23rd. Houston, 24th. The BYU and the AP poll is 25th. So the Pirates have four top 25 preseason top 25 opponents on their schedule, including the opener against uh, Mu Yu on the third. Number 13, the AP poll. Uh, then you got Cincy, Houston, and BYU, all future Pirate opponents rounding it out. Pretty interesting. Can't complain about strength of schedule with the Pirates winning no. it all this year. They're getting in the playoffs. They win it all this year, yeah, yeah. It's true, Ben. That is very true. Uh, Brett McMurphy, who did work last week, despite telling us he was not working last week, Ooh. thus couldn't appear on the show. We beefing well, I'm, now? Yeah, I'm beefing. Okay. I'm a little. Right, I'm a enough. little. I'm a little. You know, we've been good to him. I think so. We were. I was at the working man's beach, and I was working last week. Yeah. But uh, Brett McMurphy posed an interesting question on the Twitter machine: Which top ten team finishes unranked? Every year for the past 20 seasons, except 2019, there's been at least one preseason top 10 team that finished the season unranked. Last year, it was UNC, Texas A&M, and Iowa State. So that got me thinking as I looked at this poll. Not didn't finish outside the top 10, but didn't finish the year ranked. I mean, it's not going to be Alabama, right? It's not going to be Ohio State. It's not going to be Georgia. It's not going to be Clemson, although I could see them finishing sure? possibly. I don't know. Clemson will stay ranked because they're in the ACC. I, I just I don't know if I'd see them necessarily staying 
in the top 10. Now, this is yeah. not staying in the top 10. This is ranked. You didn't finish in the in the final poll. Okay, yeah. I'll keep Clemson up there. Then. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, I can't see them not finishing ranked. I, even Jimbo can't bungle this two years in a row, right? Yeah, no. I think Jimbo would be all right. A&M. I mean, Utah, just because if they have a couple of losses early. I could see that. Utah Utah's my early pick so far, but I'm but thinking gonna, later down the line. The Baylor I mean, it's going to be them, but it's going to be them or Oregon. They're going to win the, the Pacific 12, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the big question is anybody going to be ranked outside of Oregon or Utah in that Pac-12, or is well, it going to be again, one or the other? I'm not talking top 25. I'm talking ranked or top 10. I'm talking the whole top 25. I think, I think that... I think that kind of factor is factors in too when it comes to the top twenty five because you look at strength and schedule. That's kind of a weak conference now. I mean, not a lot going on well, outside I mean, of Oregon and Utah. Well, I mean, USC they're in the top fifteen, but I <sighs> point point taken. Uh, Michigan number eight, but I can't see. I could, maybe I want to. Something's nagging me and saying Michigan, Oklahoma, and then Baylor. So I think any of those last three or four maybe could finish the year unranked. Now, I'm not talking again outside the top 10. I could see all the, just la talking. the last three being unranked, to be honest with you. I could, I could but but then, well, Oklahoma State, yeah. So you got to see who else is in their league and who they're playing and who could. Because, I mean, that's a combination of you have a bad loss early, right? Yep. And you kind of tumble. And then you follow up that bad loss with either a lackluster performance or another loss. And then you, it's a combination usually early on of what, two out of three games maybe, or if you lose three out of four early, you know, you catch a bad break on, on a couple. That's kind of the combo. But see, I think Baylor's, Baylor's got a lot of talent. I think Baylor's, Baylor's good. Baylor's got a lot of talent. I just, I can't. <sighs> yeah, it's got to be one of those last three or four. I mean, I think Oklahoma could very well be up there. I know they got the quarterback that everybody's highly touted on or everybody's freaking out about right now, but no Lincoln Riley and a lot of guys left. So I could see that team struggling from the gate for sure. And well, I don't know. I think they're going to be a couple. little more – I think Oklahoma's going to be more buttoned up, especially on defense. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, they desperately needed that under uh, Lincoln Riley. Defense definitely was something that needed to be worked on for sure. So I, I, Utah, but I think Utah's too good. So I, I, I'm going to say Michigan, although I don't know. Michigan or Baylor would be the two that I would are likely to. Michigan mean had a fluky season, you could argue. I mean, Michigan's yeah. kind of been underperforming every year before that, had this season, and then, I mean, who's to say they're going to follow it up? No indications in previous seasons uh, indicate or show that they will follow it up with a, another um, another great season or a college football playoff experience, uh, appearance. Yeah. Uh, I could yeah. very well see it being Michigan. Yeah, I think so. I think I think they. It's it's one of those last four we mentioned. Um, trying to see they let they let our guy Julio back in the poll this year. He's voting in the AP poll. Look, if there was a Hall of Fame for nicknames, he definitely gets in. What Julio? Oh, sorry, I was thinking of. Oh, man, I was thinking of the wrong person. Who are you thinking of? Are you all right? Well, is vacation he, brain yeah, going, yeah, don't you? Yeah. You got a little vacation. I mean, be honest. A little bit. A little, little, vacation bit, a little bit. That's all right. Uh, He's not the see. Rochester Rocket. No, no, no. That's Reeny. Reeny, yeah. by the way, is taking a job as a as a uh, cold case detective again. Oh. He's put out into the, in the world of social media today. So he's back to he retired from law enforcement, got back in to be a cold case detective. There's another nickname around there somewhere. 
that can come about. Cold case detective, <laughs> former there's, football there's, player. Yeah, there's something. There's something. I don't see Julio's ballot on here. But anyway. What is it, state number one? No, it is state not. He's got him in the top ten, but he doesn't have him number one. He doesn't have him number one. Uh, all right, let's grab a break. Grab a break. Easy for me to say, right? And we'll return. Uh, we'll go through a pirate report, some comments from Coach Houston today. He'll maybe express a little bit of the uh, thoughts on the offense. Is the defense that dominant, or was the offense just sort of meh? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. We'll see. We'll talk to him, and we'll uh, catch up with you on the other side of the break on this edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Cy Seymour still to come, so don't you dare go away. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Um, QC Kinetics brings you your Pirate Report today. Uh, This is Coach Mike Houston opening statement at today's post-practice presser. It's a tough one, and we, we, we designed a, a tough one today after a day off yesterday. Uh, I was wondering this morning, they were coming in a little sleepy this morning, but uh, had good energy out there, competed at a very high level. Uh, it's a very physical practice. Um, you know, a lot of the media got to see the, the five shots shoot out there at the beginning of practice. I thought that was really good. Inside run was very, very good today. I, I love that drill because you, can't, you cannot hide in that drill. You know, it's, I'm not letting the offense throw it. You, you, you really you know, keep it uh, off the perimeter. So everything's between the tackles. It's a live drill. Uh, Love the way we competed today. Had some guys really show up. Uh, had some guys show up in a negative too, because I mean, that's, it gets hot in there now. It ain't for everybody. But uh, really pleased with that. Uh, finished practice with uh, overtime simulation, live drill, put the ball on 25 yard line, ones versus ones, twos versus twos. Uh, really love the way we competed right there at the end of practice. So great practice to start the week. Uh, challenged the guys yesterday coming off of Saturday scrimmage. I thought the scrimmage was very solid for a first scrimmage of the of the fall. But uh, want to see great improvement this week and expect us to really look sharp this coming Saturday. All right, next cut, uh, Coach Houston on uh, his thoughts. We've talked about it from the scrimmage where the defense uh, looked to be uh, the dominant feature of the uh, scrimmage, several steps ahead of the offense. Coach Houston. Well, I mean, I think uh, you know, you look at it with our with our first unit on offense. Uh, I thought that Holton did a great job with everything at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he had you know one or two mistakes, but they were minimal. I thought he did a really good job. I thought that uh, you know the wide receivers that uh, uh, you know a lot of questions around that. I thought they showed up. Uh, I thought the, the the first two running backs. I thought they showed up. Uh, I thought defensively, uh, they competed very very well. So I think when you look at the ones from Saturday, I think it was a really good day. Um, I think that uh, you know when you look at the twos, you you got some stuff where you got to really improve. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks have got to do a better job managing the managing the offense versus all those looks they're getting. Um, you know, one on one, we got to do a better job tackling in the open field with some of our uh, backups. Uh, but uh, I think just overall for a first scrimmage, uh, very pleased with it. Uh, we have our pirate report here today, and uh, this is Coach Mike Houston talking about their preps for the Wolfies of NC. Pardon me, of NC State. Well, it's it's still everything. Um, you know, we we uh, did work a good bit special teams today. 
you know, they were number one in the country in kickoff returns last year. So, uh, you know, really worked uh, hard with kickoff. Uh, that, that unit today, we're going to have to be solid uh, in that third phase uh, on game day. I think it'll, it'll be a big determining factor. All right, uh, and Mike Houston with uh, more now on uh, what, uh, rather, who impressed him uh, in their morning practice today. Well, uh, Isaiah Winstead had a touchdown catch there in the uh, overtime period, uh, but the reason he had it was because we ran the football very, very well today. I thought our offensive line had a good day today. Uh, both of the first two running backs had a good day today. I thought Marlon Gunn really showed up today. Uh, really have challenged some of those guys for somebody to step up and be that next guy. Uh, I thought he did a good job right there. So um, you know, I, was just, I was very pleased with the way they competed. Uh, and now Coach Houston on the players embracing the culture. You know, it's they bought in. And, you know, it's uh, the first year, I mean, it was you had to have a whip and to get them to go out there and go hard and get them to go out there and compete. Um, they have embraced all of our core values. They've embraced, you know, what we've talked about is this is what it takes to win at the, at the, at the top level. Um, and they are the ones that go out there and practice that way. Sure, we, we lay it out the expectation-wise, but, you know, you can lay out a lot of expectations if you don't have motivated individuals out there that believe in it, doing it. Uh, I'm just, I'm really proud of that group that was sitting in here December 2018 that are you know in their senior year right now because they're the ones that have created this culture. I guess a little bit out of uh, today in the way of breaking news. By the way, a couple of great questions there by our guy Noah and uh, intern Abby in the Hizzle. Uh, but uh, Coach Houston talked about linebacker Chase Bates, who's the transfer from Kennesaw State, and uh, he's he's kind of in the mix to uh, be a guy to start in that in that room, if you will, for the Pirates. Good football player. I think he's, you know, stepped right in uh, schematically. It's been a seamless transition. He knew knew the scheme from his time with Blake down there. Um, I think he's, he's shown himself to be a very savvy player. Uh, you can tell he's played a lot. Uh, he's got confidence, um, competes. I think it's it's like we have three starting linebackers right now. You know, Xavier and Miles are the same way, and I think Chance is right there. I mean, I think all three of them I would, I would look at as a starter right now. So I expect him to have a you know a significant uh, impact on us with us on game. Day. All right, uh, Mike Houston, final cut for him uh, today in the Pirate Report, and we've got a great breakdown too of uh, some tweet quotes. We'll have some of the coordinator stuff for you tomorrow, uh, but Mike Houston on the receiver standouts. Well, I think, uh, you know, coming out of the scrimmage Saturday, I mean, I think Isaiah Winstead, Jalen Johnson, C.J. Johnson. Um, I mean, I really consider Shane and Shane uh, Calhoun and Ryan Jones. I mean, I know the tight ends, but I would consider them in there too. So I think those guys are really uh, standing out right now. Um, we've got a couple of guys that are injured. Uh, so uh, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, maybe they're not standing out. They'll be back uh, hopefully next week. Um, you look at uh, – uh, Jarrett Gardner, I thought he had a really good practice today. We talked about yesterday, just him, you know, really competing, trying to take take that next step. He did some really good stuff. Uh, showed up in the overtime period right there at the end. So, uh, you know, I want to see how the rest of practice was for him, but uh, feeling very good. All right, there you go. Mike Houston, today's Pirate Report is brought to you by 
QC Kinetics in Greenville, if you're sick of sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or your hips or your back or really anywhere, especially this time of year, you need to be around moving pain-free. Uh, QC Kinetics, get a way to get the lasting pain relief, and you can do so by uh, using the, uh, the body's own healing agents. No drugs, no steroids, no surgery. The old ways, the traditional ways, out the window. Make it the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got a uh, free consultation for you here at QC Kinetics. Exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain. No side effects, no downtime. QC Kinetics, free consult, 252-765-PAIN. That's 252-765-PAIN, 765-PAIN. Uh, ben, uh, you know, we've got the Wolfpack coming up, right, in the opener. And we're going to start to hear a little more from their fans. We're going to start to hear from, you know, how, uh, you know, a couple of them are going to be very nervous, but a lot of them are going to say this is the year. But by and large, I've always contended that the UNC fan base, eh, you know, it's, it's not a great fan. I mean, obviously, they're great fans. They cheer for their team, but they're just, it's a snooty fan base, right? Yeah, well, uh, you can't say the same for football. I mean, football has been a little lackluster, but you know, when it comes to basketball, uh, yeah, I mean, they got a pretty... Yeah. Pretty good fan base. I mean, the UNC is HV3 put it. Yeah, and that Carolina Blue is just not a beautiful color. It's not. I agree with yeah. Harold there. Yeah, I agree. But um, the NC State fans are basically the same fans. They're just in red and black, not baby blue. Well, no, they think it's cool not to follow Duke or UNC. They think they're, like, special or deserve an award for following the uh, redheaded stepchild. So the coach of the uh, women's basketball team at UNC, remember the British Tar Heel, that annoying guy? You remember him? That dork came no, over from England, went to like a UNC. The most annoying game. character you can yeah. possibly come up with. I could, I couldn't imagine a worse person to be caught in an elevator. With. That I sounds really like cannot. a Marvel spinoff show you would see on yeah, Disney Plus. It does, and not one that anybody would want to watch. Yeah, like most of them. He has a podcast apparently, because who doesn't? And he had the women's basketball coach, Courtney Barngard or Bangard or something is her name. She, you know, she came from an Ivy League school. And, I mean, look, UNC women's basketball needed a little shot of life in the arm. She brought it to him. And I guess he asked her, the, the British Tar Heel guy asked her, who do you like beating more? In other words, who do you hate more, maybe? Uh, Duke or, U or, or NC State, right? Now, I mean, this is in the prism of women's basketball, but, I mean, you're you know, I mean, you could you could crystallize it there, but you can kind of look at the whole thing too. You know, I mean, this is what she had to say in, in kind of a long, uh, rambling answer. Here we go. Duke is is a is a national and international rivalry that I love. NC uh -huh. State fans are so classless. I just don't even like going there. What? Did you hear that? I mean, Reynolds is pretty nice. I mean, you don't like going to Reynolds at uh, the very least. I, no, she called it a, a barn or something this year. Oh, wow. I mean, I like Reynolds Coliseum. I think the men's team should play in there moving forward. But... Ah, they should have played in there more and more and more. They should never have uh, I gone agree. to the – I mean, I know why they went, but they should never – look, two things have changed the trajectory there, and, I mean, one of them could not be controlled, and that was the the, the ultimate uh, – well, the great Jimmy V being basically, uh, you know – the NCAA stuff and all that. Yep. Totally ridiculous. Should never have gotten to that point. Uh, and Jimmy V should have stayed. Of course, he ultimately passed, which you would have had no way of knowing that or any control over that. 
But had Jimmy V stayed and, and had he lived, uh, I, you know, I don't think Duke would have even been Duke in some respects. Wow. Cause okay. I mean, he'd have, he'd have had that thing going. Um, he had it going. Well, he did have it going. And I mean, it, it, you know, again, this is all just, you know, kind of 2020 hindsight and, and what could have been, Well, they're not smart people. I mean, they should be playing at Reynolds right now. Come on now. Well, but that's my, that's my other point going to that, to the, to the kind of a cold professional arena. I understand why they did it, but it just, they lost. I see. I think that's another thing. Had Jimmy V stayed on and had Jimmy V stayed on uh, with us. Um, I don't think they'd have ever left Reynolds. They might have redone Reynolds, but they never. And they, not to say they wouldn't have played a few games at the PNC, but they would not have played the Heritage game at Reynolds. They, they'd have played. They'd have used the PNC as kind of a thing. All right, we'll we'll play you three times. We'll go home and home, but we'll do a neutral site there. I think they that lost kind of that homey kind of home court advantage college oh, yeah, totally. field tool when they moved the PNC. Totally. Now it's just you know it it just doesn't work. A man who likes to talk about uh, tradition yet moving forward in college basketball is the great Cy Seymour. He's going to join us next. I want to catch up with Cy, see how he's doing this summer, and uh, find out his thoughts on the ECU uh, non-conference basketball schedule, which was out Friday. Ben Byram, meantime, with an update including what's going on at the Softball Little League World Series. They actually moved the championship up to noon today because of uh, weather, so he's got the winner and who the national champ, or I guess the world champ is, and uh, more. Ben Byron with your update, then Cy Seymour joins us right here on The Game. Thanks, Patrick. Let's take a look at what's happening around Pirate Nation and ECU football back in practice today after they scrimmage Saturday morning. East Carolina's defensive unit held 16 tackles for loss and six sacks that morning, highlighting the Pirates' first inter-squad scrimmage of preseason camp inside Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. The control to outing saw all levels of the program's dev chart involved as ECU works towards its season opener September 3rd versus preseason nationally ranked NC State in Greenville. Here's Mike Houston after the scrimmage. First scrimmage of the uh, fall in the books. Uh, no injuries. That's the biggest uh, positive to come out of today. So, uh, went about 100 plays. A uh, lot of special team situations. So, uh, got some great film to coach off of this afternoon and some great uh, evaluation for our kids. Um, you know, I think the kids that uh, the kids that we all know and have been here doing their their, their stuff uh, for a couple of years, uh, you know, look like themselves out there today. And it was good to get some young guys some uh, you know, first kind of taste of experience in the stadium. So uh, it was a good day today. Little League Softball World Series action happening in Greenville. And over the weekend, the Pitt County team suffered a heartbreaker to Virginia dropping that one in walk-off RBI fashion 2-1. to one. Currently underway installing stadium at Elm Street Park. Texas defeated Maryland earlier today 5-4 to become the 2022 Little League Softball World Champions. Third place consolation game underway against Virginia and the Philippines. And Virginia leads 4 to nothing in the bottom of the fourth. From Little League Baseball, the Pitt County Greenville U15 Babe Ruth team played in the World Series series and over the weekend they started things off with an 11-1 win over Alabama and then they followed it with a dominant 14-0 hammering over Virginia yesterday. Sounds like they were seeking a little revenge for the softball team there but the boys are back in action as we speak as they battle North Dakota and the Carolina Panthers are on a flight as we speak heading to Foxborough to hold joint practices tomorrow and Wednesday at the New England Patriots. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick spoke to the media earlier today welcome the Panthers. Specifically he welcomed head coach Matt Rule with open arms. He's a football guy, and um, so we have a lot in common there. I really enjoy football. 
The Panthers and Patriots will face off in Foxborough Friday at 7 o'clock. College football, big news out of LSU is their starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, has quit college football after dealing with a number of injuries the past two years. Brennan has not officially commented on why he decided to hang him up. From the PGA, Wake Forest alone, Wills Alatoris gets his first PGA win after winning the FedEx St. Jude Championship, shooting 66 in the final round and collectively shooting 1,500 par in the event. Meanwhile, Cameron Smith, who just joined the Live Golf Tour, has pulled out of the BMW Championship with a hip injury. Wrapping up for NASCAR, Kevin Harvick is making it back-to-back wins after winning the better-rated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond. Harvick entered the race on the heels of a win at the previous race in Michigan. Harvick finished in the first, holding off second-place finisher Christopher Bell for the 60th victory of his Cup Series career. Chris Busher took third. That's going to do it for your 94th Indie Game Sports Update, brought to you by Team Boneyard and NIL Collective, directly supporting student or Pirate student-athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. Coming up, Sai Seymour on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. I was your, I was Ben Byron with your 94th Indie Game Sports Update. Always a treat to talk to the great Cy Seymour, Pirate basketball analyst for years and years and years and years, the coach at Craven Community College for a uh, number of seasons, and a true Eastern North Carolina original. Cy Seymour is with us here. My dear friend, how are you, sir? How's summer going? The summer has been great. It's been busy doing a lot of reconstruction work at our church, but also been to the beach and I just had a good summer and being with the grandchildren. So Benita and I have had a nice summer. <laughs> and you've spent a little time with Coach Swartz and the Pirates. Yeah, that's been the real fun part. I mean, is that uh, I've probably been over at least five or six times and just peeked in and watched them work out. Had several long conversations with Coach and just, and I've really enjoyed it. That's why I went over so many times. It's been a treat to watch how he works. We talked to him the week before last. Uh, what would be, you know, if you were, if you're, as I'm sure you are, if you were telling pirate fans about Mike Swartz and why to be excited, what would you want them to know? Well, first of all, I, I think you have to look at it as he's really a man of integrity. He is going to build this thing the right way. Uh, he's going to really, everything's going to begin at the defensive end. He's a tremendous defensive coach. He's going to be very disciplined. He expects his kids to be on time at practice. If not, you're not going to be a part of it. He expects uh, to be in class. He will be more engaged. Uh, he will be he will be engaged in the community. Uh, you will get to know him. Uh, and he is really uh, a basketball, just like all of the guys that he's had, he is a basketball guy. He gets it. He understands that. The, the great parts of it, he's been an assistant coach for 20 years from Miami, Texas, to Fresno State, to Tennessee. Uh, he, he's been in the game. And, and Tulsa, and he's, too. He's seen it from Tulsa. all levels. He's seen it from That's all right. different levels. Good point. He's been in Tulsa. He's been in the Americas. So he understands it with Frank Ace. So he understands this league. Uh, and he's a pleasure to talk to. And he will talk in depth about basketball anytime. But his goal is to really make this a team together uh, and make sure that they learn his philosophy and how to play as a team. Uh, really fun, fun to watch and listen to him talk to his players. 
We've got Cy Seymour on the line with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show on a Monday. Uh, Pirate Basketball released the non-conference schedule on Friday, and uh, Ben and company broke it down expertly for you, but we wanted to get Cy's uh, thoughts on it. A couple other things we want to talk to him about, too. But, you know, as far as the schedule goes, Cy, if you look at it, uh, interesting. I mean, uh, you've got a, a, a one of the MTV events, MTE events after uh, first three at home, and then uh, a trip to Norfolk and ODU on the 26th, uh, and then UNC Wilmington, you, you renew that series. So uh, we'll get into some specifics here, but before we do, just your overview of this schedule. I know you think it's pretty challenging before conference play. And look, we know the Americans are bare, so this is a tough schedule for a new and, and younger team. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 a really challenging schedule. I mean, uh, to uh, when you look at it, he plays at the Gulf Coast tournament down in Florida. Uh, he he finishes on the twenty third. He means he's flying back on the twenty fourth, and then he literally practices one day on the twenty fifth and has to go to Old Dominion, who Jeff Jones, who's been there for or been a head coach for twenty years and successful at, at both American University. He won four titles uh, at American, and and then he won at Old Dominion. He's a tremendous basketball coach, and you're going to walk into that hotbed after on one day's practice and being on the road for four or five days. I, I think that's really difficult. I think Mercer, an opener, Mercer is a great program. Now their coach is pretty new, but he is a good basketball guy, uh, and that's your opening game. That that can be tough. I think. You, we all know UNC Wilmington uh, on the road. See, these are road games. Yeah, you got you know Old Dominion, nor, uh, UNC Wilmington on the road, and they're building up. They're building a program in Wilmington. They're going to be good. Last year had a tremendous year, uh, and so they have got it going. And, and ECU always struggles at Wilmington, and then you're going to play South Carolina in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, new coaching staff, I understand that, but he's, uh, of course, Lamont Paris is, is uh, replacing Frank Martin down there, but it's still, uh, you're playing three major programs on the road, and that is, that is very difficult to do, and you're playing three neutral side games that are teams that can, can also get you in, down in Florida. Yeah. So if I look at it, I think it's a very, very difficult schedule. Cy, uh, the, the South Carolina deal, I mean, look, I, I think their roster was going to have some, some issues, but they got G.G. Jackson. Yeah. And, and I, you know, get no disrespect to whoever's going to be on – who's going to be available for the Pirates or, or playing for the Pirates, but, I mean, he'll be the best player on the floor in that game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. At least right now on paper, that's what we're thinking. I mean, so that, that's, a, that's a tough deal now. And as, let's face it, I mean, Duke knows this. Greenville, South Carolina might as well be Columbia. I mean, it's it's a road game. Let's let's not kid ourselves, even though it is that neutral site deal. Um, yeah. Going to Old Dominion, swept them last year. Tough to do. At UNCW, good team in Wilmington. By then, they may have it figured out. They've got some, some, some questions going into the year, but uh, th- they've got a program that's kind of rolling and established. So, I mean, those games alone are three roadies that are, are, are really difficult. Uh, right now, you've got Indiana State in uh, the the first game of the uh, Gulf 
Coast Showcase down in uh, Estero, Florida. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a challenging event. I, I, you, I think you've hit it on spot on. You know, you want to you wanna schedule a certain amount, I mean, let's just face it, of, of wins or opportunities to earn wins in the non-conference before you go into the American. Um, and this is just, and look, I, I know there were probably some, some things that he was up against on the schedule because I think ODU was the only return game and everything else is fresh. So um, it's just it, it, for a team that's going to be having to figure itself out early, it's going to have to do it in a hurry. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's got to happen in a hurry. I think Indiana State is a, is a good draw, but a tough draw. They they did in the Missouri Valley last year. They went eleven and twenty for their league for the I mean for the year. But the, that's a good program. It's always been a good program. Much of the old but with down there. The, the the thing that gets me about all of this scheduling is I've always said you need to get at least ten or eleven wins in the non conference. Uh, you just have to. And, and listen, this is not just East Carolina. Everybody always fusses about East Carolina's schedule. If you will look at any – look at the Atlantic Coast Conference, their non-conference schedule, other than one or two, maybe three games, maybe three, everything else, it's, it's at their home courts. They're, they're paying these teams to come in and win. And usually, if you're North Carolina or Duke, you don't leave the building. <laughs> Unless it's the big Big Ten non-conference game that you have to play, or you're in Hawaii in a neutral tournament, or the Kentucky North Carolina game, maybe maybe one game, maybe one. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and and Cy, I mean, this is I think Coach has done a great job with the schedule. I mean, again, I, I oh. say this because Old Dominion was the back half of a contract. Other than that. Everything else had to be cultivated and new. And and look, I, I don't want to give too much away here, but I mean, certainly Coach Hortz, he was asking the questions. He was yeah. putting the calls out. So, I mean, I, I think you will see this become, as his program grows, a a, a non-con that will be, uh, that'll have some attractive opponents and some interesting opponents on it in the future. Yeah, I mean, you get, and I love that he's playing Campbell. I think that's a good no. That's game, a great. A, that's a great. But it'll matchup. be a hard game. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a hard game. Uh, but I also think, like you're saying, when you look at Old Dominion, they are listen. And ECU came within one second of losing that basketball game at home last year. Uh, you, you remember Jeff Jones did not coach down in uh, down in uh, Myrtle Beach. Yeah, he was sick. He had yeah. to it, He was sick. He comes back, he still was sick, and literally one long pass almost worked, and, and uh, OD, ODU would have won that game. What I'm saying is, don't let anybody kid you, that's a solid, solid top 100 basketball team year in and year out. And people say, top 100, well, there are 362 teams. Think about what we're saying here. They're top 30% every year they play. And uh, that's a goal that most schools try to get to. Yeah. Uh, so understand that. I, I I tell you, I think don't let my kid you, but I think Coppin State coming in with Juan Dixon last year. I thought his team looked really good, and Juan Dixon comes in there loose and he's confident and uh, been in the ACC, played was a great player. He'll he'll come in ready to play. Well, so it's a, it's a good schedule, but a hard one. The great Cy Seymour with us here. When we talk about this, you know, we we've talked about it 
you and I have publicly, privately. We've had conversations uh, with other people about this publicly and privately. You ought to be able to come up with a really compelling and competitive non-conference schedule where you're not having to get on planes. Uh, because if you just look at the, let's just say Virginia and, and include Georgia into this, from you know that that mid-Atlantic into the South region, there's enough bas- there's enough D1 basketball and enough lineage and history that you ought to be able to put together a pretty compelling schedule. So I, I like the regional aspect of this. I really do. You know, Mercer is is uh, making Georgia. Obviously, Presbyterian, Hampton, right up the road. Uh, the MTE event, ECU needs to play in that every in one of those if they can every year uh, because that's – and I like how they've scheduled that, uh, the last two staffs have, uh, and what they've done. I think this Gulf Coast showcase is a, is a, is a good a good event for this team. I uh, love, love ODU. Would like to see them stay on the schedule. But you got South Carolina State. Campbell, I'm like you. You got Campbell. You got High Point, uh, Coppin, uh, the South Carolina deal, UNCW. Let's let's talk about that really briefly, Cy. You know, I know the prior staff maybe didn't want to go into Wilmington. This current deal calls for the game in Wilmington this year and then two games in Greenville the next few years. I want to run this by you. I, I, would, I would really want to get in the ears of both administrations and say, Let's make this the opening game every every no, the first Tuesday in November. Let's make this the game that opens the season for both teams. I think then it's it, it gives the pirate perspective a little bit of a a marketing hook, and they ought to play annually, in my my opinion. But it's a it's a good way to kick off both seasons. Now you've done this a lot longer than I have. You've scheduled, you've lived this rivalry at a at a closer level than I have. I mean, is that Am I just talking too much like a fan there, or do you think there's something to that? Well, you know, I, I don't know if either team really wants to do that. that. That's another problem with that. Because they don't want to go into a game that's a 50-50 loss, you know. So, the, the other I, – I tell you what I would love to see, and I, we talked about this. I talked this to Coach Schwartz. I said, you know, it would be great. Is uh, kind of like what's happening in, in – uh, when you play uh, South Carolina in Greenville, mm-hmm. there's going to be three major games that day, three or four major games in that facility. Okay. I'm talking about from Virginia. It's going to be a great day of basketball. I often think we, I've often thought we should probably try to link uh, and, and, and switch it out every four years, Charlotte, uh, Greensboro, Wilmington and East Carolina in a four in an eight game. I mean, uh, excuse me, eighteen day. In other words, East Carolina will play somebody, Wilmington will play somebody, Charlotte will play somebody, and you know, and, and uh, UNCG. And you you switch uh, sites every four years. In other words, one year this tournament would, or this day of basketball would be in Greenville. One day it would be in. Uh, Charlotte one day in Greensburg mm-hmm. and one day in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. I would love to see something like that with just opponents coming in. Uh, that would be another way to do it. But but you wouldn't be playing them. That, and right, I understand right. what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah. but just what that does that gives you exposure in four different parts of the state of North Carolina. I think that's important for the recruiting. Would you be in Charlotte? You'd be in Greensburg. You'd be in Wilmington and North in East Carolina. So you'd have the East and West coverage. That's one thing I would look at doing, uh, as a, just like they're doing at South Carolina. But having said what what you were talking about, I would love to see a doubleheader two days. Play Wilmington one day and 
And then two you know, other, but yeah, another opponent and yeah. flip flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you sent me an interesting article uh, over the weekend, and uh, I, I've taken a look at it. It's always interesting. It's the funding mechanism, uh, and, and the really a story about funding. It's an article about, and it's it's a pure, you know, analytical piece with uh, some conclusions drawn by the people that that wrote it. Um, look, I understand. People would back a winner in Greenville. I, you and I, there's nobody who wants ECU basketball to be any more successful than you and I do. Um, so, you know, but I, we are, and, and there's some strides have been made and there's some strides being made to, to start to get basketball at a funding level where it is, uh, where, where it probably should be to be in the American. Uh, but that is a fascinating article to read to see who kind of overspends. And look, High Point was one of those mentioned. They spend yeah. a lot. They spend a lot of money for the Big South more than the the average Big South does on uh, team does on football or a, a, a basketball. Excuse me. Yeah, when you when you look at the funding mechanism, Blair, and, and this is these are facts. This is not something that I'm making up or you're making right, up. Right, right. These are the numbers. These are the numbers as they are. <laughs> yeah. East, when you look at it, East Carolina uh, in, in the funding mechanisms of all this. East Carolina is a school that is probably be below the median. Now, I'm talking about the median of our league, the average of our league. Now, I don't care what measure of central tendency you use, mean, median, or mode. It, it is about $2 million below the average. It's a million dollars below the, the last team rated by that, and that's Tulane. Uh, we are the last in the league by more than a million dollars. And it's not John Gilbert's fault. He's doing everything he can to improve our funding. Uh, baseball is one of the highest funded, which is wonderful. I'm not, I'm not, that's where you want to get to. Baseball is one of the highest funded programs in, in the, uh, in the American football, middle, middle of the pack, middle of the pack. Basketball is, and we're talking about a major difference in the, in the spending over two million below the average. Uh, high point, as you mentioned. Almost in the same category as what ECU spends. Uh, so when you look at it on paper, ECU has not invested in basketball the way you should to be in that league, and we've done it in other sports. It's not that it can't be done; it's just we have stayed on the sidelines with it. And you can, we can say, well, the cart before the horse. No, it is actually you have to put it in your programs. When yeah. you look at the top funded programs in, in this league, it's Houston and it's Memphis. And they win. Uh, when you look at when you look at uh, like ECU baseball, the money goes there, and ECU does a great job, and they win. Now you got Cliff Dobbin, who's a tremendous coach, but I'm simply saying, money certainly helps to win athletic events. You may not think it does. I think you can abuse it and overspend it. Yes, I do believe that. But right now, ECU's on the lower end of all this. Cy Seymour, uh, always, always uh, fun to speak with you. We can uh, talk about a lot of this uh, for uh, a whole show, and we may at some point. But uh, good to catch up with you. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, the schedule. And uh, always like to kind of, you know, even with football right around the corner and the important game to kick off the season, uh, get some uh, hoops talk in there as well. Uh, Silas, well, great to talk to you. Always good, and everybody's going to like this guy. They're going to like Coach Ford. I mean, he he's going to – you know it and I know it. He's going to work it and sell it. And always good to talk to you. And let's get the Pirates going that first football game. Yep. Absolutely. 
By the way, if you don't like Cy Seymour, that's a you problem. There's some dumb nerds around here that like oh, make fun of them. Oh, there's just but, some yeah. slobs. You, you got some real problems. Um, great to have Cy on. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Ben's actually going to be in for me. I've got a work obligation. Zoki. And Jim Zoki will be on, and then we send Ben off, ben off for like a week and a half. Uh, I'll be back Wednesday. <laughs> ben tomorrow with Zoki. Uh, great job, Ben. Great job, Chris. We'll see everybody tomorrow.